Back here on the Chief Zone Podcast, a big week once again for the Kansas City Chiefs, undefeated 4-0, best record in the NFL, only unbeaten team in the league, and now they've got to continue to prove that they are the best in the league, and, and they're getting a lot of attention. We're going to talk about all of that later on in the podcast. I'm Farzim Sugian here with another episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Thank you guys for downloading and listening to another episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Let a friend know about it. Share it on social media. Spread the word. Spread the love. Let everyone know about the podcast. And hey, best team in the NFL. Always good things to talk about. So let people know about it. Everyone can join in on the fun. Absolutely. Speaking of joining in on the fun, you guys can do so by talking to me on social media, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugi, and that is my Facebook page. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 and email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. All right, a lot to get into in this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Of course, last podcast we talked about Marcus Peters and his actions. Andy Reid did respond to that. And believe it or not, Marcus Peters was not the only one who delivered an FU verbal shot to a fan. Another player from Monday Night Football said it to a Chiefs fan. I'll tell you guys who and what almost went down during that incident. Also, the national media, they are behind the Kansas City Chiefs. Everyone is on the Chiefs bandwagon right now. People have been complaining for years that the Chiefs don't get enough respect from the national media. All right, well, you're going to get it. We'll talk about that later on as well. And then, of course, we'll preview the big game on Sunday Night Football between the Chiefs and the Texans. I'm going to tell you why I'm a little nervous about this one right here. I'll give you guys my prediction, as I always do. But, man, I'm nervous about this one the most. I think, and it's crazy to say because the Chiefs have faced some really good teams. Of course, the New England Patriots in Week 1. But, man, this team right here, the Texans... This might be their toughest test. Maybe not necessarily record-wise, but there's something that the Texans could do that could really be a factor in this game and essentially stun the Chiefs and hand them their first loss of the season. I'll tell you what area that could be and whether I think that could follow through and if the Texans could hand the Chiefs their first loss. So we'll get into that later on as well. And then, of course, we will go around the NFL, out of bounds, and I'll throw my penalty flags. Uh, just a little tease for that. Uh, there's talks about the Royals going downtown. Not anytime soon, but this could also affect the Chiefs. So it's kind of an inter- interesting topic to get into. Plus, oh boy, Marcus Allen, his name was brought up in Jeopardy. You will not believe what a contestant said in trying to guess what team Marcus Allen played for. Spoiler alert, this contestant didn't think he was a football player. I'll tell you what that contestant thought Marcus Allen was. Let me just first say this, uh, because I want to get into the Marcus Peters discussion. I know I've talked about this before, and I know unfortunately in the past, what, 14 months, uh, football and politics have clashed. And we've kind of seen it at other sports, but it's been more prominent with with the NFL. Listen, let me just say this: the whole thing with with kneeling. Obviously, these players they're they've got a reason behind it, and of course, other people are wanting to join in. I saw a video online of a little league football team 
that the kids were all kneeling. I mean, do, do, do these kids even know what in the hell they're kneeling for? What they're, do they even know what a protest means? So, uh, you know, this is really just gone in so many crazy directions uh, to the point it's like we're t- this has been one of the more talked about stories. It's on the front page of ESPN. Uh, and, of course, you know, Peters, it all started off with him kneel, uh, sitting on the bench and this was just less than 24 hours after the devastating events that took place in Las Vegas. He got a lot of flack for that. You know, of course, you know, could that be... Travis Kelsey sat last week. I believe Kareem Hunt sat last week as well. Couldn't these players... Obviously, the players I just mentioned, those guys felt this way. But can't the players think to themselves, all right, look, this this tragedy just went down. Maybe we should step aside and just come together for just one moment you know i made this i made this example uh last episode where look you might be the the jokester amongst your friends or your family members but if there's a death that go, takes place you you obviously cut off the jokes you've got to set away from that because it's not the right time sitting or kneeling for the national anthem just Shortly after the shootings that took place in Las Vegas, I mean, that just was a wrong time to do so. It just was. And listen, unfortunately, we've got shootings that are becoming trends now. I mean, if there's a shooting that takes place and only a couple people get shot, wounded, or a couple lose their life, it doesn't get talked about. Jimmy Kimmel mentioned this on his on his comedy show, Jimmy Kimmel Live. It's... um. Yeah, I mean, we just had one in Lawrence, Kansas, and it, it wasn't even talked about nationally uh, because these things are part of the norm, unfortunately. Uh, so there could have been a, a time where you, you say, okay, look, this is not the time and place for that. We, we, we've we got to step away from it. Now, again, I, I want to go back because you guys are, are have – a couple of people have, have sent me tweets and face messages. Hey, listen, I, I appreciate the feedback. I really do, and, and I, I, I take this uh, to heart. I, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I've had people say, hey, look, enough of the politics. We don't want to hear that on the podcast. I get it. I, I certainly get it. But I posted the Marcus Peters uh, topic on, on, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzim and that is the most discussed topic on the Facebook page. Anytime I post a topic that has to do with kneeling for the national anthem, the protests, or, or what Donald Trump had to say, or, or Marcus Peters... Uh, sitting or kneeling or on a stationary bike. Those are the most talked about topics on the page. And everyone has an opinion on this and they want to get their two cents out there. And I get that. I really do. I posted a, a question saying, hey, look, Chiefs are 4-0, best record in the NFL, only unde- undefeated team. What are your thoughts? I'll read all the comments. And the Marcus Peters story has probably more than triple the amount of comments than the 4-0 topic. And listen, I, I'm not entertaining the idea of talking about Marcus Peters and protesting and politics throughout the, uh, the duration of this podcast. Absolutely not. My whole point is, as much as we want to sit here and say that you know we don't like what the media is feeding us, we also have control as to what we, we can talk about, too. People always say they don't like to hear about players and who they're dating. Uh, but look, when uh, Royals first baseman, or hopefully still a Royals first baseman, Eric Hosmer... When he and uh, former uh, Kansas City reporter Casey McDonald, when they 
took pictures together and uploaded them to Instagram. The Kansas City Star posted both of those pictures, and that was the number one story on the Kansas City Star's website. The same day where Kansas Governor Sam Brownback made a, a comment against the uh, ruling that uh, in which the judge favored same-sex marriage in the United States. And... Yeah, obviously that, that that was a big topic with the same-sex marriage. And Eric Hosmer and Casey McDonald dating was the number one story on the Kansas City Star's website. So we, we like to sit here and say what we don't... We hate the media and what they try to feed us. But at the end of the day, we're the ones that are clicking these, these articles. I mean, it's not clickbait. We see what the headlines are. We know what we're about to read, what the topic is about. So in the case of... Marcus Peters and what he's... We know what the story is. We're, we're not forced to click on these articles or these videos that that show the incident or discuss the incident. But everyone wants to talk about it still. So yes, there are a lot of people who complain about the topic, but there are also a lot of people who actually want to talk about it or hear about it in some way. So, uh, And again, I, I don't have much to say. I already said my thoughts last podcast. Only thing worth talking about here is Andy Reid uh, in a press conference on Wednesday denounced Peter's actions with the interaction with the fan as well as his post-game comments, the way he just behaved uh, after, the, after the game in the locker room. Certainly uh, not a, a mature way to hold you. People are talking about the fact that he was kicked out of his college team and he got an opportunity with Andy, Andy Reid's really done a great job with players who have who who have a troubled pass, and they're getting a, another opportunity. When you look at who Andy Reid's dra- brought in, Mike Vick w- with Philadelphia, and then Tyreek Hill here in Kansas City, I mean, those guys had some really, really bad issues they were dealing with. I mean, they were coming off some troubled incidents. Marcus Peters was just immature, and it looked like. Things were just fine for two years, but now in his third year, we have him as one of the more notable notable players who's protesting during the anthem. He's sitting on the stationary bike, of course, in week one, the NFL opener, and the Chiefs are on national national TV a lot. We'll see if the NFL continues to sway away from airing the national anthem. They made an exception Monday night because of the Vegas shooting. They they asked the Chiefs to have an, a, a moment of silence and, and air the national anthem because of the uh, events that just took place uh, less than 24 hours ago. So going to be interesting to see if the NFL is going to now continue to sway away from that from the, with their new script uh, as Fox Sports announced that they are no longer going to be airing the national anthem live during their broadcast. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. And by the way, Marcus Peters was not the only one who shouted F you to a Chiefs fan. Terrell Pryor, of course, briefly was with the Chiefs uh, back when he was a quarterback, and now he's a wide receiver. Uh, he got into it with a Chiefs fan. This was a video posted on TMZ's website, and of course, conveniently, every time something like this happens at a sporting event, I remember that this was the case at a Royals game earlier th- uh, this season. There was a fight that took place, and it only showed just a short snippet of it. You don't see the whole thing. Uh, It's just convenient. That's how it works with TMZ. TMZ. But Terrell Pryor, all you see is him shouting F you back to a fan and also flips off the fan. Then he tries to 
close the gap and get close to the fan. Looked like he wanted to chuck his helmet, but there's one guy, I don't know if he's an assistant, an equipment manager, who he was for the Redskins, but he's trying to restrain him, hold him back, and not let him get too close. Listen, people are on the Facebook page talking about how this Chiefs fan is classless. Chiefs fans are class. And by the way, I, listen, I said this last podcast with Peters shouting F you to a fan. We always got the cameras 90% of the time on on the players or the coaches. We don't show the fans as much. So when Marcus Peters is saying something, it's not possible for the cameraman to... First of all, the cameraman's got to stick with his shot while he's live. But at the same time... The fan could have said something. Maybe the fan flipped off someone. Maybe the fan started this and ignited the reaction. So this to me, it says that, listen, as uh, people talk about how, I guess because there are two players that went at it with a couple of fans, People now have, have this notion that, oh, Chiefs fans are just bad people. No, I mean, look, you, you should never let a small percentage of people represent an entire fan base. You had one dozo who felt the need to go at it with Marcus Peters and another knucklehead who felt the need to do so with Terrell Pryor. So you had two guys. That should not be a representation of all of Chiefs fans. Certainly not. So it's unfortunate this is happening. Hopefully... Something can be done. I mean, could could you suggest more security? Sure. There were three or four police officers that were standing at the tunnel when this happened. And all they did was watch the, the whole thing go by. Maybe they have to stay there. I, I'm not too familiar with that process. I'm really not. But at the end of the day, there were some security guards who were there. And had the situation gotten ugly, you know that they would have stepped in if needed be. Generally, they're there in case a fan jumps onto the field or anyone that's not supposed to be on the field or passing through the tunnels, they're there to stop them and not allow them to to go any further. So Terrell Pryor, again, who knows what the situation was, but that was one of the biggest stories that was discussed on Wednesday. Throughout the week, the Kansas City, ever since the Chiefs won on Monday Night Football, Tuesday and Wednesday, the Chiefs are getting a lot of love from the national media. Shannon Sharp, who was with Fox Sports 1, uh, he says that the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL and Kareem Hunt is the MVP. So surely Chiefs fans now love Shannon Sharp, a former Bronco, of course, longtime Bronco, of course. So uh, there you go. Uh, a, a former Denver Bronco giving the Chiefs a lot of praise right now. And by the way, I mean, sure, there are a lot of, a lot of players that – didn't play for the Chiefs, and look, it's no secret, a lot of these former players and coaches, they'll always favor their teams, because those are the teams that gave them opportunities, uh, so of course Tony Gonzalez is, is going to say great things about uh, the Chiefs, or any tight end in the NFL, of course Gonzalez lately has been praising Travis Kelsey, uh, and I'm only chuckling because of Jason Whitlock's uh, jab at Tony Gonzalez right next to him uh, when he uh, said that Travis Kelsey is the best tight end that they've ever had in a long time, but uh, obviously was just joking with Tony Gonzalez. But uh, no, seriously, seriously, I mean, Shannon Sharp says Kareem Hunt's the MVP. Brady Quinn of Sirius XM uh, NFL Radio, and I believe he also does radio work still for Fox Sports Radio, and he's also done some color anal- analysis for college football games on on Fox. 
He says Alex Smith is having an MVP type of season. For every in everyone else, so many people in the media, they are giving the Chiefs all the praise in the world. For those who have complained for years about the lack of positive coverage from the national media on the Kansas City Chiefs, well, guess what? You're getting it. In the past, when the Chiefs started 9-0 in 2013 or 3-0 in 2010 as the last undefeated teams, they didn't get a whole lot of credit from the media. Now the Chiefs are getting it. They're getting a lot of love. When could this happen again? I don't know. But listen, man, uh, enjoy it. You guys have asked for this. They're number one in all the power rankings out there. People people complain about those power rankings a lot. You don't have to complain about the Chiefs this time around. They're on top of every ranking possible. And every single national pundit, they're giving the Chiefs all the praise in the world. And calling them the best team in the NFL right now. And a pair of players have been labeled as... MVP material type of players so far in the NFL this year, one-fourth into the season. So you guys asked for it, here it is. You're getting the love. Generally, and again, I think market size is a part of it. The Chiefs and other teams in the Midwest, they just don't generally get the love so much from the media. So enjoy it while it lasts. Hopefully it lasts longer than usual, but... You guys are getting it. Everybody is on this Chiefs bandwagon. And with that, does come a little bit of pressure. And that leads me to this big game on Sunday Night Football between the Chiefs and the Texans. A couple important notes here. Deshaun Watson, of course, the uh, Texans came away with a big, big win. Uh, 57-14 over the Titans. Deshaun Watson threw for 283 yards and four touchdowns in that big win and the 57 points by the way are the most by an NFL team with a rookie QB since the Seahawks scored 58 with Russell Wilson against the Cardinals in 2012 by the way the last time these two teams played was last year in week two on the road in Houston Marcus Peters had two picks in last year's meeting he has 15 since joining the league in 2015. By the way, speaking of Marcus Peters and his performance against the Texans last year, you may remember the Chiefs and Texans played in 2015 in week one, and on the very first defensive snap of the game uh, for the Chiefs, it was an interception by Marcus Peters. So uh, Marcus Peters, in his very first NFL play, got a pick against the Texans, allowing the Chiefs to take over uh, already in the red zone, and even closer than that. Inside the five, inside the ten, excuse me. So uh, this was Marcus Peters uh, has done a good job playing playing in, in Houston. In the two games the Chiefs have played at Houston, Marcus Peters has three picks. So Marcus Peters, he's he's due to have a big game at some point. And I'll just say this too: going back to all the drama that's going on and people wanting him cut, winning always heals everything. Look at Tyree Kill. Everyone was pissed off that he was drafted by the Chiefs and he was given an opportunity. When he started doing well, when he became one of the more electrifying players in the NFL last year and still is right now, his popularity went way up here in Kansas City. And 
people, the Chiefs fans, all of a sudden got so defensive when the national media started bringing up his his, his troubled past, where he uh, physically abused his pregnant go- girlfriend at the time. So listen, Marcus Peters, obviously one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. If he can have a big game against the Texans, guess what? No one's going to be complaining about what Peters did last week or or if he does it again this week, protesting during the anthem. If he has a big game, a two-pick game against Deshaun Watson, everyone's going to be praising Marcus Peters throughout the week. And speaking of Peters and the defense going up against this Texans offense, the Texans 17th in total offense, 25th in passing, 5th in rushing, and 4th when it comes to scoring, they score 27.5 points per game. They're 4th in that category. Kansas City is 3rd. So the Texans are right behind the Chiefs. And by the way, the Chiefs are averaging 30.5 points per game. Wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is 8th in receiving yards with 311. He leads the league with 31 catches this season. And he also has a pair of touchdown scores. By the way, he also leads the league with 19 receptions that have moved the chains uh, resulting in a first down uh, ties with two others for best in the league. Deshaun Watson, as we know, seven touchdowns, four picks, 148 scrambling yards this year, and a pair of touchdowns on the ground. Uh, I mentioned Watson had the big game, 283 yards last week against the Titans. That gave him the AFC Offensive Player of the Week honor. And listen, we'll see what happens. A lot of people thought Deshaun Watson was going to come to Kansas City and said the Chiefs traded up to get Pat Mahomes uh, when Watson was available uh, with the 10th pick. They traded up with the Buffalo Bills. And then a couple picks later, Watson gets picked up by the Texans, who also traded up to acquire him. So uh, it would have been nice to see a Pat Mahomes versus Watson uh, kind of battle. But surely we'll get that down the road. Both teams are in the AFC and surely they're both going to be with their respective teams for a very, very long time. One other important note with the offense for the Texans. Of course, I mentioned they ranked fifth in the league in that category. Lamar Miller has 100, he had, excuse me, 131 total yards from scrimmage last week against the Titans. He ranks fifth in the AFC with 257 rushing yards. He's also second on the team in receptions and receiving yards. Not a lot of variety for the Texans in this passing game. Of course, you see the 25th ranked passing offense. Uh, you have DeAndre Hopkins, who, who's a phenomenal wide receiver, but then they rely on R- Lamar Miller uh, the most behind him. And then after that, I, I mean, you've got so many other players who uh, have 10 or fewer receptions. Uh, definitely not the group of players you want on your team. So uh, a lot of limited production on the offensive side of the football. But with everything you're able to do on the ground and Deshaun Watson uh, able to move his feet and be quick, that's allowed the Texans to amass a lot of yards on the ground and also score a lot of points. One of the best in the NFL in scoring points so far this season. Going to the other side of the football, looking at their defense, their fifth in total defense, ninth Against the pass, 14th against the run. However, when you look at all the yards that they've allowed, it hasn't necessarily translated very well on the scoreboard. They're 17th in points allowed, allowing 22 points per game so far this season. But they've got a lot of talented players on the defensive side of the football, especially with that defensive line. Jadavian Clowney has three sacks this so far this season. J.J. Watt has yet to record a sack, but you know his presence is always going to be felt on the field, especially considering the Chiefs have had trouble 
against J.J. Watt. The only time they didn't was in that playoff game where the Chiefs snapped that long 22-year drought of no playoff wins. Uh, but other than that, J.J. Watt's generally done a really good job against Kansas He does a good job against a lot of teams, but uh, has always had Alex Smith in Kansas City's number anytime these two teams have faced off. Safety, Dion, uh, or safety Andre Hall had a pair of picks last week against the Titans. He leads the team in that category, but there is one player who the Chiefs have got to pick on, and that's Kareem Jackson, the cornerback, number 25. Not very good. Isn't having a very good season uh, for the Texans this season. And listen, I, I just think when you look at that matchup right there, it'd be great to have the Chiefs uh, get one of their speedsters and having them line up uh, against Jackson and try to beat him on these uh, on these routes here. Uh, try to outrun him, and, and next thing you know, you could be wide open for 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 a touchdown. Of course, you. you uh, 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 Matchup between Tyree Kill and Kareem Jackson, that would certainly be very intriguing to see. Albert Wilson's been kind of interesting lately. He's gotten the ball a lot more, and I think this is the most active he's been with the Chiefs. I mean, he's been here since 2014. He was an undrafted player, if I'm not mistaken. And I would say this is the most that he has been taking part in Kansas City's offense. So, kind of interesting to see how Kansas City is going to go about that, especially going up against Kareem Jackson, who is... Really one of the worst cornerbacks, starting cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to see how defensive coordinator Mike Vrabel, also a former chief and a former Patriot, and also longtime defensive mastermind Romeo Cornell, who's still with the staff, how they plan to stop this red-hot Chiefs offense. Uh, they're second in the NFL in total offense. They're number one in rushing. They're in the top five in scoring. I mean, this is a Chiefs offense that is firing on all cylinders. They're moving the ball very well. Alex Smith has yet to throw an interception. One of three players, uh, one of three quarterbacks that started since week one who has yet to throw an interception. So, uh, and Alex Smith, like I said earlier, he's been given that MVP label. He's having that kind of a season for the Kansas City Chiefs. And if I had to make a bold prediction right now, I do think Alex Smith does commit a turnover in this game. I think he does throw an interception in this game against the Texans. And when you look at the Texans uh, with their turnovers, they've got four picks on defense and I've also recovered three fumbles. They've also thrown four picks and have given away the football three times on fumbles. So seven giveaways, seven takeaways for the Texans this season. Whereas the Chiefs, they only have one giveaway and that was the very first offensive play of the season in which Kareem Hunt fumbled the football. Still kind of crazy to think that is how the Chiefs started the season. And since then, the offense has just been perfect. No turnovers and has just gone wild on on all these opposing defenses. And by the way, I didn't have a uh, fun Kareem Hunt stat last podcast. I do have a kind of an interesting one. This one was mentioned first by Nick Wright and it's been mentioned many times. Kareem Hunt, if he if you only counted his rushing yards in the second half, he would still be leading the NFL in rushing yards. I mean, isn't that just... I think that just shows you. I mean, Kareem Hunt just has that second half, more so fourth quarter takeover. And this has been my complaint with the Chiefs. That so far this year and last year, they're not a very consistent team. They don't play good football for four quarters. And I said last podcast, after that Monday Night Football game... I have just come to learn and accept that this is the this is who they are. That's the type of football team they are. And as long as they're winning games more so than losing, then it's going to serve them well in the future. I mean, look, as long as they're winning games, 
you I guess we shouldn't really be complaining about it too much. As long as you're winning, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Just picking up those wins and limiting your losses. The Chiefs have won 26 of their last 30 games. That is the best in the NFL. And if you're wondering where that 30-game period started, that was that 11-game winning streak, or 10-game winning streak, if you exclude the playoff game. Because generally, they don't count those with all this. But that's when it started, right after the 1-5 start in 2015. Here's where I I think this game is going to be won and lost. It's going to be up front with the offensive line for both teams. Kansas City does not have a very good offensive line. Nor do the Houston Texans. And by the way, speaking of offensive linemen, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif reported that he he suffered an injury on the Monday night game, reported that he has a sprained left knee. His status is day-to-day. But going back to the offensive line for both teams, the Chiefs have allowed 16 sacks this season. That's third most in the NFL. The Texans tie the Cardinals For most sacks with 17. So just one ahead of Kansas City in that category. If you look at pro football focus. And if you look at their field comparisons. They they have the players listed on the the field. And they have a grade for each, each of the starters. Kansas City's offensive line. I mean they're not very good. A lot of them in the 60s and 50s. And then you have the Texans. Their offensive line is a lot worse, and they've got players who are graded in the 50s, 40s, and 30s. So the Chiefs, even though they don't have a very good offensive line, the Chiefs' defense is going to be facing probably one of the more atrocious offensive offensive line groups in the NFL. So I think at the end of the day, the biggest X factor is going to be which front seven is going to come through the most? You've got a front seven with Whitney Mercilis, J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, a lot of great players on this Texans defense, especially on that front seven. But then when you look at Kansas City and everything that the Chiefs have to offer on the front seven, you've got Derek Johnson. You've got Justin Houston. D. Ford, if he can, be, if he can stay healthy and play this week. Benny Logan. Chris Jones, of course. He won AFC Defensive Player of the Week in Week 2 against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I won't put out Allen Bailey either. I thought he had a really great game too against the Eagles earlier this year. So there are a lot of players, playmakers for, for both teams uh, on the defensive side. And when you look at the matchup going up against the offensive linemen for both teams... This could be a very low-scoring football game, kind of similar to how it was last year. And if I remember off the top of my head, the Texans won that football game 19-12. Peters, of course, as I mentioned, had those two picks. The Chiefs just had four field goals in those games, and only one touchdown was scored in this game. So, look, I mean, it's not like this is going to be a game that you expect both offenses to light it up, even though both of, I mean, the Texans are coming off a big, big game offensively scoring 57, uh, but they're not going to be able to do that against the Chiefs defense. The Chiefs, of course, have been in the top five in scoring, but they're not going to be able to have that kind of a, a, an offensive performance 
against this Texans defense either. And of course, Kareem Hunt's coming off a game where he rushed for 100 yards against a fairly good Redskins run-stopping defense, and the Texans ranked 14th in that. I think the key for the Chiefs, look, Justin Houston, he's been... He's been playing in coverage a lot this year, and I'm not quite sure why. And I I fear for Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, that is a fireable offense. You've got a sack master, you've got a sack artist on your team, and he's playing in coverage. And not let's not forget, D. Ford was not active in this game. So so, I mean, what do you have sending out there? Anytime Justin Houston was putting pressure, Kirk Cousins wasn't having a lot of fun. Overthrew his passes, couldn't connect with his receivers. And I think this is where the Chiefs need to be able to come through. Have Justin Houston just go after the quarterback 100% of the time. Forget about falling back in coverage. Go after the quarterback each time. Especially when you've got an opportunity to do so against a very weak offensive line. And when you look at Kansas City, at some point I think this game, I think this could be... If I had to put down money, I'd say there's a chance that maybe there's only one touchdown going into the second half. Maybe even going into the fourth quarter. Only one touchdown being scored. And at this point, you know that both teams are going to be extremely tired. Given the given how, I think, vigorous this game could be. And it could be a grueling battle for, for both sides. And given how what Kareem Hunt's been able to do... Just take over in the fourth quarter while everyone else is tired. That could be the biggest difference maker late in the game for the Chiefs. And the Chiefs have done a great job outscoring their their opponents in the fourth quarter this season. I mentioned the score last podcast. Uh, worth repeating again, though. 54-13. to 13. The Chiefs are outscoring their opponents in the fourth quarter by a score of 54-13. to 13. If you're curious, by the way, the Chiefs shut out the Patriots in the fourth quarter in their own turf. Believe that. They allowed 10 points against the Eagles, shut down the Chargers the entire second half, and only allowed the Redskins to come away with just three points in the fourth quarter. So 10 from the Eagles, three from the Redskins. So given Kansas City's success in the fourth quarter, especially Alex Smith making the right throws, I know I mentioned Chris Conley. I didn't give credit to Albert Wilson for that uh, reception he had late in the game. Very difficult pass and doing so running out of the pocket and connecting with him to move the chains on a big play to to keep the drive alive and eventually win the game. Kansas City just tends to come through in those situations. And they thrive in those scenarios the most. So I think Kansas City is going to come away with some big plays in the fourth quarter. Kareem Hunt's at some point going to break out for a big play. And I think Kansas City is going to pull away in this one. I think it's going to be a low-scoring battle. And the score that I'm about to give you, I, it, it, it doesn't look like a low-scoring game or sound like a low-scoring game. But I think it's going to be simply due to Kansas City pulling away late in the game and uh, just trying to finish it off. In the fourth quarter to go on to win. I think Kansas City wins this one. I, I'm going to go 24-9 to nine in this one. I, I think the Chiefs are going to be pretty close. It's going to be a one-possession game going into the fourth quarter. And I think at that point, that's where the Chiefs do their business. They take over in the fourth quarter and they put away the football game. So, there you have it. That's my score for the game. I think Kansas City will win this one and advance to 
5-0 and on the season. Let me know your thoughts on this one. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. You can send me a tweet at Farzine21. Give my page a like. Follow me on Twitter and also my email, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. If the Texans... If the Texans can come away with some pressure on Smith and sack him, I think he could, for the first time this season, commit an, a, a turnover. I think he'll throw an interception uh, for the first time this season. If he doesn't, then I think that really speaks volumes about Alex Smith and just how how much he's really been pushed, how much he realizes that he's got to step his game up because he because of the draft pick for Pat Mahomes. So in order for the Texans to come away with an upset, I think first off they've got to be they've got to bring their A game, which they will. If they can get to Alex Smith, get him to the ground five, six times for a sack, which could be a realistic possibility, then I, I think the Chiefs could be in danger here, and that perfect record uh, could be in jeopardy, especially if Kansas City's defense doesn't do much. They did put pressure on on Cousins. More so late in the game, but they didn't have a sack against the Redskins in this one on Monday night. They've got 11 on the season, and the Chiefs, I mean, maybe not one of the best like last year. Right now, they're tied ninth for 11 sacks. I mean, there are a lot of teams right now that have 12 or 11 sacks. Just going down the list here, I mean, there is at least, at least half the league has either 12, 11, or 10 sacks. Wide variety, sure. I get it, but... Uh, I, I think the Chiefs are definitely a much better team than that. I mean, they, they certainly got to prove that with with what they have, with their defensive unit, with their pass rushing department, they can certainly be one of the better pass rushing groups in the league and pull away with better sack numbers. They did that last year. They did it with turnovers too. Hasn't been the case necessarily this year. And I think this is a great opportunity for the Chiefs to go out there and not only get a lot of sacks, but also get a lot of takeaways too. But if the Chiefs... Happen to have one of those games where they're struggling to get a sack, then perhaps the, in a low-scoring game, the Chiefs might fall and they will no longer be perfect. But I think they'll take care of that. I think the fourth quarter is going to go to Kansas City and they're going to come away with some big plays to score a couple of touchdowns and pull away with a win and survive, leaving Houston 5-0. and As always, let me know your thoughts once again on social media. And I'll, of course, I'll post the link to this on uh, Facebook and Twitter and give you guys an opportunity to respond to me. So Sunday Night Football, I've got the Chiefs winning this one and going on to 5-0. and Going to feel pretty good, especially getting ready for a Steelers team, uh, a team who the Chiefs lost to in the postseason, a heartbreaking loss last year, and an opportunity to kind of avenge that loss. Uh, the two losses the Chiefs actually uh, suffered to the Steelers last year. The first one on Sunday night, a brutal one. Uh, but it is going to be a 325 kickoff, so given that the Chiefs have Right now, the best record in the NFL, you're likely going to get the best uh, broadcast team from CBS, and that'll be televised in front of a large audience. So it's going to feel like another primetime game in which everyone's going to have a chance to see Alex Smith, Kareem Hunter, and the rest of this Chiefs team and see what they're made out of, and this time doing so against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Hey, and speaking of the Pittsburgh Steelers, might as well start with this one. Antonio Brown, I'm sure you guys saw, had that crazy tirade where he uh, threw a Gatorade bucket around, uh, was sitting down for a moment, then he got up, starts yelling at everybody, 
Uh, and Ben Roethlisberger said in a radio interview that he wished that he had handled that a different way. And Antonio Brown was upset because on third down, Ben Roethlisberger missed him, and that forced the Steelers to offense to come off the field. Uh, funny note, by the way, uh, when Antonio Brown was just shouting and moving around, Todd Haley, of all people, who's, of course, the offensive coordinator for the Steelers and former Chiefs head coach, uh, he was actually you know, putting his hand on, uh, uh, on Antonio Brown, trying to get him to calm down, and then he slaps Todd Haley's hand away. Kind of, kind of funny that Todd Haley was the voice here. And look, I'm not taking a jab at him. I'm sure he's learned his lesson from what he did here in Kansas City and with Arizona, where he was just seen several times shouting at his own players, his own assistant coaches. Uh, so I, it was also nice to see him kind of be the voice of reason. It, it, you just didn't really expect that. And I'll admit it, I, I don't watch all the other games uh, play-by-play, uh, especially when you know there's silent action with NFL Sunday Ticket. I'll be paying attention to a different game on a different screen. Uh, but perhaps Todd Haley's kind of learned his lesson and has maybe learned to not do that as much with his with his coworkers, his 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 coaching staff and, and his players. So kind of nice to see. But as far as Antonio Brown goes, look, in my opinion, he is the best wide receiver in the NFL. He really is. And a lot of people might argue Julio Jones, and I can certainly understand that debate as well. But I think Antonio Brown. I mean, this guy can do it all on the field, and especially as a return man. This guy's this guy's a dangerous football player. I would not want to be defending Antonio Brown. Easily one of the hardest players to cover in the league. So I can understand his frustration, but man, to throw a Gatorade bucket and slap your offensive coordinator's hand off you, you've got to do a better job of that. And I'll tell you who else has got to keep the cool. LaShawn McCoy of the Buffalo Bills. I didn't talk about this, but uh, after the Bills pulled off the upset win over the Falcons, which by the way, the Bills also defeated the Broncos the previous week, in the locker room, LaShawn McCoy was seen shouting at the media saying, hey, come talk to the winners. You guys were all wrong. You guys didn't pick us to win. Look, man, I did. what do you say about that? The Chiefs, nobody gave the Chiefs a chance on Thursday night to open up the season against the Patriots. Did you see any Chiefs player do that? Did you see any Chiefs player go off on any of the media? No. I mean, look, you won the game. Be humble about it and enjoy it. When you win these, I mean, the, the Bills, by the way, and I doubted them before the season, they're coming off back-to-back weeks that, where they handed a team their first loss of the season. So take that for what you will. The media will eventually come around and start giving you some praise and give you guys more attention than you have been getting. So LaShawn McCoy's got to keep it cool, man. Uh, look, you won the game. Be humble about it. Enjoy it. Don't be fighting with the media about it. The media has a job to do. I, you, when people say the media is just hating on teams, I'd love to see LaShawn McCoy give us his predictions for every game. I, I doubt he's going to have every game correct. He certainly won't. So listen, man, these guys are just doing a job. They just have predictions to make. Be- people love to hear the predictions. It just so happens that a lot of people were wrong, and that's okay. It's going to happen. It's just fine. Just settle down. Let's go out of bounds. There is an article on the Kansas City Stars website where it talks about the Kansas City Royals stadium moving downtown. Now, there are four spots that are being studied as possible places where the Royals could be playing baseball. 
First one is east of the Sprint Center, just off I-70. Another area is north of the Sprint Center, so across from the Sprint Center, also across from that tall parking garage downtown, which is adjacent from the Sprint Center. They also have another spot northwest of the downtown area within the downtown loop, and another one a little bit farther north, but still within the downtown loop. Now, according to the article, Royal uh, have been contacted this year about a downtown baseball stadium proposal. Kevin Ulick, who is the senior vice president of business operations for the Royals, he said that the Royals are in a lease with Jackson County, which owns the Truman Sports Complex, and that lease runs through the year 2030. So still 13 more years where the Chiefs and Royals are are still going to be at the Truman Sports Complex. And look... They just renovated the stadiums, uh, what, construction started nine years ago, and it was completed seven years ago, six, seven years ago? So, listen, I mean, the renovations, by the way, Kauffman Stadium looks even better now. With with everything they have, with the outfield experience and uh, the sports bars, and and some of the newer features they've added, too, that that prize chopper patio, the the, uh, craft and draft, they have the Miller Lite... um, I don't know what they call it. I, I guess just a Miller Lite bar. Uh, I mean, that looks pretty cool itself also. So, uh, I mean, there are a lot of great features out there at Coffin Stadium. Uh, they're, they're, they're great. And I, you hate that people have always talked about moving downtown, especially now that, I mean, maybe not right now, but at least for a couple of years, the Royals were the hottest thing in Kansas City. And people, the more people were going to games, the discussion came up over and over again. Should the Royals move downtown? Look, you can't move downtown so quickly after Jackson County taxpayers just spend all that money on stadium renovations. So give it time. I mean, they've got to be there for at least another 10 to 15 years. As I mentioned, in 13 years, that lease is up. So by that time, it will have been about 20 years since the renovations. And I think by that time, once 20 years passes, that's when the the new feel of a stadium uh it's already faded away and it starts to become a little old the renovations also start to get a little old and at that point you you would consider okay do we renovate again or do we go to a completely brand new stadium so that's that's something you have to do and a lot of stadiums nowadays are built downtown or you can at least see the downtown skyline in the background and still up close uh, so that's another thing, because with Kansas City, I mean, it's just off 435 and 70 in, in just a random spot with a lot of with a lot of trees around. So they they people want to see the Chiefs and the Royals be in a more nightlife type of area, and of course downtown would be the spot. But look, man, with Arrowhead traffic and how that's going, uh, I mean, how, how does how does how does that go for downtown? I don't even want to think about that. Las Vegas, they're trying to move the Raiders there. It could happen next year. It could happen in, in three years. But as far as the, the actual stadium that they'll play in, which is expected to be open in 2020, they have only room for 3,000 parking spots. That's 16,000 fewer than the required amount. So that's not looking too good for them there. You've got to be very careful when you come up with these stadium proposal ideas and make sure that everything, you've got the logistics right. It's all feasible. And at the end of the day, everyone wins in the situation. So you want to make sure that you're going about it the right way. Because I saw the, the proposed uh, 
locations for the stadium. I don't know how you're going to fit a stadium right beside the Sprint Center so close like that. That's my biggest concern in all of this. Again, look, the lease ends in 2030, so 13 years away. But at the same time, it's never too early to plan these things. Still plenty of time to figure things out and make sure you do it right. Final segment, I'm going to throw some penalty flags. Remember that granny who I threw a flag on in the last podcast? Yeah, she's still uh, she's still behind bars. I I can't get over that. I I mean, like you're you're smuggling drugs to a place where there are a bunch of police officers. I I just don't get the logic in that. I, again, I don't condone this, but if you're gonna do it, do it where in a place where there is absolutely no chance of getting caught. Come on, that's not who I'm throwing a flag at. Uh, there were contestants on Jeopardy. Uh, they still have Jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, Mark, uh, there was a question that came up about sports, and Marcus Allen was was a, a topic in this. And you had to say who is the team he played for. Apparently, people don't know what sport Marcus Allen played for. Sivan, NFL Team Six, running back Marcus Allen, Anupama. Um. What is the Colorado Rockies? No, sorry. Dennis Ivan. who are the Los Angeles Raiders? Okay, first of all, I, I don't... I, I, he played for two teams. I, I, I guess I would have... I mean, speaking of all these protests, I would have said the Kansas City Chiefs, and if they, if they gave me the incorrect answer, I'm protesting right there. I'm protesting the game. In baseball, you can play under protest, but uh, they think... Marcus Allen was a Colorado Rocky, but hold on. The Colorado Rockies actually came out on Twitter and they have announced that they shared that they have a photographer named Marcus Allen. So I guess uh, contestant Anupama deserves partial credit. I mean, hey, Marcus Allen is technically with the Rockies. Come on, Dean Spanos, take it like a man. Dean Spanos, uh, of course, the owner of the LA Chargers, he asked the Federal Aviation Administration to restrict banners from being flown above their stadium on game days. Now, the FAA rejected that, and they told the fans to keep flying banners. Look, man, the Kansas City Chiefs didn't like it when people were flying banners over the stadium, but they they took it like men. They understood the frustration. So at least I give props to Scott Pioli and Romeo Cornell, everyone involved in that situation, and the fact that they respected what fans were doing. I mean, they maybe not respected, but they they understood the frustration. Listen, man, you, that stadium, the StubHub Stadium or whatever it's called, there are more opposing fans than home fans for that. The whole fight for LA slogan, it's just it's just horrible. It really is. Get rid of that slogan. Uh, do a better job of, of how you're going to be an owner. It's just disgraceful what Dean Spanos is doing with the Chargers. And now he's got people flying banners above the stadium and he's complaining about that. I mean, he's got other things he's got to be concerned about. Come on. Okay, this one is a little disturbing. A female reporter was at a Panthers press conference and Cam Newton was on the mic. Uh, and 
a female reporter was talking about uh, you know the, the offense and one of the receivers and their route running and, and, and just how they were embracing the, the the physical play this year. And Cam Newton was laughing, and he said, "Quote: Funny to hear a female talk about routes." And he also said it in a very creepy tone, almost like he was turned on by that. Uh, look, I mean, that's just. That's just flat out disrespectful, man. It, it, it really, especially coming from a guy who has received a lot of disrespectful comments from from the fans and a lot of criticism from the media. I mean, I, I did not think Cam Newton would have would have said anything like that at all. He has not apologized to this reporter. He absolutely should apologize. I mean, this is this is just rude. Uh, it, it's disrespectful. It's it's just wrong. I mean, look, we are in a society now where women should be able to work the same jobs as men. And there are a lot of great female reporters in sports, especially in the NFL. And for for Cam Newton to do something like that, uh, that's just completely disgraceful. And he definitely needs to come out and publicly apologize to to this woman. Uh, Just completely wrong. I mean, just because she's a woman doesn't mean she can't ask a question about, about routes. It's funny, guys get criticized because they don't play the game. And when I say guys, I'm referring to people in the media. They get criticized because they don't play the game. But for women, they can't talk about it because they can't play the game, supposedly. So uh, just just flat out wrong uh, by by Cam Newton to do that. Uh, Just just completely disrespectful. That'll do it for this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Let a friend know about it. Share it on social media. Word of mouth always helps out the podcast, so please be sure you spread the love. Let everyone know about the Chief Zone Podcast. Everyone come on in. Join in on the bandwagon. Undefeated best team in the NFL. And also check out my other podcasts. For those of you who are MMA UFC fans, check out the Cage Zone Podcast. I'm going to be previewing UFC 216 that will be taking place this Saturday. And that podcast is out as well. Both podcasts, uh, this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast and for the Cage Zone Podcast, the 216 preview both released Thursday morning, so check it out if you, you get a chance. As far as you Vasugi, and again, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugi, and follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can also send me an email at, uh, or excuse me, Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. 4-0, looking to go 5-0, Sunday Night Football once again under the lights on primetime football. Chiefs and Texans, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game Sunday night. The next podcast will be out Tuesday morning, which will recap the game between the Chiefs and the Texans, hopefully improving to 5-0. Take care.